Hey, before we get into this week's episode of The Culture, just a quick reminder that if you want to stay up to date with the show, you can follow it in your favourite podcast app. Just search for The Culture. All right, let's get into it. Hey there, welcome to The Culture, a weekly show about the latest in the world of pop culture, arts and entertainment. I'm Osman Faruqi and today on the show we're talking about comedian Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special and the backlash that's followed. I want everyone in this audience to know that even though the media frames us that it's me versus that community, that is not what it is. Do not blame the LBGTQ community for any of this shit. This has nothing to do with them. It's about corporate interests and what I can say and what I cannot say. Chappelle is one of the most successful comedians in the world, and his latest show, The Closer, reportedly made him 20 million US dollars. Chappelle spent most of The Closer responding to criticisms he'd received after his last special comments that he'd made about the trans community. Now the criticism's reached another level. It's led to a staff walkout at Netflix and calls for the special to be taken down. And when this controversy came out about the closer, they began disinviting me from these film festivals. And now, today... Not a film company, not a movie studio, not a film festival. Nobody will touch this film. Thank God for Ted Sarandos and Netflix. He's the only one that didn't cancel me yet. The entire episode has reignited a conversation around free speech. What kind of impact harmful and offensive language can have in the real world, even language in a comedy special? And what exactly the purpose of comedy and comedians is? To the transgender community, I am more than willing to give you an audience, but you will not summon me. I am not bending to anybody's demands. And if you want to meet with me, I'd be more than willing to, but I have some conditions. First of all, you cannot come if you have not watched my special from beginning to end. You must come to a place of my choosing and a time of my choosing. And thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gatsby is not funny. To help survey the fallout from Dave Chappelle's latest show and answer some of these bigger questions, I'm joined by two great Australian comedians, Cassie Workman and Tom Ballard. Cassie, thank you for joining The Culture. Oh, thanks for having me. Wonderful. Tom, thank you. Hi, Oz. Pleasure to be here. All right, let's get into it. There's a lot of ground I think we could cover. This probably deserves a 10-episode narrative arc. (laughs) There hasn't been enough takes. There haven't been enough takes and angles (laughs) and discussion and thoughts. This is the definitive one right here. New York Times itself had like 15, I think, on this, (laughs) and so we, we were not satisfied by those and we thought it's time for us to figure it out. 
there are going to be a lot of people, I think, listening who might not have watched Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special, The Closer. For those who haven't seen it yet, I wonder, Cassie, could you maybe explain from your perspective why you think there's been such a backlash to this latest show? The comedian's declaration that gender is a fact and his characterization of the LGBTQ community as too sensitive prompted a walkout by staff and support from transgender rights advocates, some of whom accused Netflix of profiting from hate speech. So Chappelle has said some upsetting things uh, about trans people in, in the past, and this show is kind of a response to that. And he seems to have gotten worse. We need to say it's not okay. This hate conversation was not their intention. We understand that jokes are jokes, things are things. But at the end of the day, if it's promoting hate and it's promoting discrimination, you are directly a cause of it if you're allowing it to happen and you're not doing anything about it. And that goes for anyone in this country, specifically people of power in the entertainment industry. And so... The problem that the trans community is having with his uh, handling of this subject is not even so much what he has said um, and his personal opinions, but how it is going to affect the zeitgeist and how it is going to affect the people who idolize him and the people in his audience and what attitude they will take to their lives and to the streets and, and to their interactions with trans people in the future. That's what's concerning for us, and, and we feel that, that Dave Chappelle has to take responsibility for that. I, I think this thing has sort of gotten out of his hands now, because if you if you watch this the special, there's times during the special where the audience clearly wants him to go further and be meaner, uh, and he, he has to shut them down. Before I even say anything about that community, you must know, and I hope you all feel the same way, I am not indifferent to the suffering of someone else. There's laws, the mean laws. In our country, North Carolina passed a law once that said a person in North Carolina must use the restroom that corresponds with the gender they were assigned on their birth certificate. No, 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 no. No, that's not a good law. That's a mean law. I think it's important in the context to just sort of underline how much of an event a Dave Chappelle special is at this point. Like this, I mean, he is a phenomenon and this is a massive deal. This is a, he got 20 million bucks from Netflix to do this final special over a generally, you know, multi-million dollar deal. He is one of the foremost cultural critics, one of the biggest voices often praised as the greatest of all time in terms of stand-up comedy. He is much revered and much beloved. And I think a big part of that is because at his best in the past, Dave Chappelle could be extremely funny while making incredible social commentary at the same time. And so when he says something, when he releases a special like this, it matters. Lots of people are listening. It's a big deal. And also I think he's trying to make an argument. You know, he's not just another comedian like, say, Anthony Jeselnik, who just does a lot of really dark, messed up one-liners that goes to these dark places for the sake of fucked up comedy. Dave Chappelle is like, is a cultural commentator. He's he's really wanting to say something and make an argument about a big social issue of our time. And I think that's why a lot of people, yeah, really care about it. Hearing both of you talk about this, it Sounds like there's a couple of different issues here. They're related, but I think it helps to separate them out. I think firstly, there's this question of how Chappelle specifically talks about the trans community and why that in particular is a problem right now. 
and how speech can actually have real physical impacts on people, particularly marginalised people. And then there's a different, broader set of questions about what kind of things comedians are and aren't allowed to say in a more general sense. Are there accepted guidelines or rules around that? Should there even be? I want to ask each of you these questions, but maybe first, Cassie, can you walk us through whether comments or jokes by a comedian like Dave Chappelle can have a real impact? Yeah, there absolutely, like, demonstrably is. Um, so, you know, the transgender tipping point uh, was in 2016, I think, with um, Laverne Cox on the cover of Time. So our visibility has uh, skyrocketed. And uh, by the way, I strongly urge anybody listening to this to go and watch the Disclosure documentary where um, Laverne Cox actually talks about the intersection of race and transness uh, in ways that I can't. And also there's a, a lot of creators who, who are black and trans and talking about specifically the Chappelle uh, special. Uh, and I would recommend uh, Zoe the Motor Scooter on TikTok um, who, who, who talks about um, Chappelle's special specifically. Uh, but in a more general sense, there is certainly a correlation between our visibility and us being in danger. And there's a correlation between the way um, that celebrities or public figures talk about us in negative ways and hate crimes. So in 2019, hate crimes against transgender people went up by 20 percent, which is a huge acceleration. Uh, and you might be tempted to think, well, maybe that's because um, they're getting reported more. Um, but actually, the opposite is true. Uh, in, in the United States, it is not mandatory to report statistics of hate crimes. So only 15 percent of law enforcement agencies reported hate crime data. So it's quite likely that um, hate crimes against trans people are much higher than that. And so in 2020, it went up by another 20%. And this year, 2021, we're on track to set yet another record for trans murders. And overwhelmingly, the victims of those murders are black trans women. So there's an intersection here of like race and identity and gender and, you know, transphobia. And, 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 and somebody who is in Chappelle's position would definitely contribute to attitudes that lead to trans women getting killed. And we get killed in horrible, horrible ways. Uh, and understandably, we're sick of it. And we're sick of people thinking it's a joke. And we're sick of people talking about it as though it doesn't matter. It's really, really troubling to hear people say, well, you know, this is just my joke when we're the ones who have to go out in the world and, and deal with it. And maybe it is a joke to him and maybe it is a joke to his audience. But to us, we're the ones who will deal with the consequences. And we we, we just want him to acknowledge that. Hmm. Tom, do you think that uh, when Chappelle is engaging in this conversation the way that he is, it's the specific things that he says that, that could have, you know, real harm on people? Or is it more a sense of, contributing to a general, I guess, fear-mongering or, or, you know, stereotypes of, of who the trans community is that then leads on to, to the things that Cassie was talking about? I think contributing to a general atmosphere or general perception of trans people as being 
freaks as being as not taking their pleas for respect and dignity seriously. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, from Sticks and Stones, he has a routine in which he compares. He, he says, "Hey, don't blame me. Uh, being trans is clearly a that's a hilarious predicament." Like, imagine if I said I was a Chinese person trapped inside a this N word's body. And then does sort of a stereotypical, and I would argue pretty racist impression of a Chinese person going, yeah, this is how I feel, right? And I think when when so many trans people struggle to be recognised for who they are, and half the battle, it seems to me, on a social level, is for other people to look at them with humanity, recognise that they're, they're having a minority human experience, but we want you to understand that and respect that. I think just constantly shitting on that, lampooning it as ridiculous or wacky or a little bit woohoo. I think you are reinforcing a whole bunch of prejudices. And that is not, I think this is important. I think I think perhaps the likes of Chappelle and, say, Joe Rogan and stuff, you know, believe that political correctness is so all-consuming and ubiquitous and so powerful that they're the radical rebels speaking out against the establishment status quo, which is which they seem to perceive as, you know, trans people being all right and being accepted and, and championed. I think I would very strongly push against that. You're not doing anything radical or different by shitting on a persecuted, marginalized minority group. You are reinforcing prejudices, which is exactly what the status quo and the power wants. Now, I'll say that, but if I could just a little bit of, I don't think disagreement with Cassie, but like, you know, Ted Sarandos, the head of Netflix, did make this point about violence, representation in culture and crime rates falling down, right? And I do think that sometimes the impact of certain cultural uh, artifacts and their influence on on political realities can be overstated. I tend to think that culture is downstream from a lot of politics in, in a lot of ways, and it is true that much of our culture is more diverse, violent in a variety of different ways, and yet real-world violence in our society has tracked down. I also think it's true that trans people have been persecuted and oppressed well before they were represented anywhere in, in media whatsoever. And a real one-to-one relationship between certain jokes or representations of things and real-world violence is sometimes difficult to prove. But certainly, I think contributing to that atmosphere and smoothing over and reinforcing those prejudices is certainly what you get with a lot of the jokes that Chappelle has in these specials. Well, you certainly normalise it at the bare minimum. It's 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 hard to quantify, obviously, what makes a person go out and commit a hate crime. Is it just trans visibility of all kinds or, or is it, you know, the, discuss, the toxic discussion around us or is it specific people in the media that, you know, that are that are causing us? I mean, there, there have been, um, I have read studies from the UK that show that, you know, when public figures speak out against trans people, there is a spike in hate crimes afterwards. Um, so at least anecdotally, it would seem like there is a correlation between those things. But yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to quantify exactly what causes that, but this certainly doesn't help. No. And I think but even at the most basic level, it, does Dave Chappelle think that a trans kid watching this special is going to feel better about themselves at the end of it? Mm. Or are they going to feel more confused and more horrified and feel more alone? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the point that I was going to make, that surely the bar for whether or not this special is is harmful shouldn't be whether or not someone is being physically assaulted as a result of it, that feels like the very, very worst possible outcome. But there's all sorts of other harm that can result from speech, whether that's mental, emotional, psychological. I find it very strange when people try and deny the impact of of words and language and argument because the corollary of that kind of defense is that nothing anyone says has any impact or any kind of consequences, good or bad, which seems completely 
bizarre considering that Chappelle and, and, and many others like him and particularly those that defend him aren't just making jokes in, in an abstract way but are actually putting forward an argument and engaging with real contemporary issues. And that, that brings me to the next question which is around when it is okay or not okay to make jokes or arguments or statements about a group of people. There seems to be this accepted view, at least from the conversations that I see happening with amongst comedians, that if you're from a certain community, it's fair game to joke about that community. But, I mean, even then I think that's a bit complicated because it depends on who your audience is and whether or not they're with you and they understand the kind of language you're using about that community or whether they uh, are laughing at you and at them. But I think even though that is already a little bit complicated, I think things get even trickier when you're making someone else the punchline. One term that comes up a lot in this discussion is punching up versus punching down. The logic there seems to be that while you know everyone is different, the consequences of that difference aren't equally felt. You know, Dave Chappelle makes a lot of jokes about white people and people don't really seem to mind that because there's a broad understanding that white people aren't marginalised as a group. They are basically at the top of the pyramid in terms of access to economic, social and political power. So for a black man to be making jokes about them is punching up and therefore that's considered legitimate. The question becomes less about are you just from X community joking about Y community and more about the dynamics, the power dynamics that are at play. That's, I mean, that's at least my non-comedian understanding of where this conversation seems to be at right now. What do you guys think and, and when is it okay for comedians, if ever, to punch down? Like, I feel that, you know, uh, being a comedian is really a very noble tradition because it's kind of your job to keep society in check. And the biggest part of that job is to ridicule authority. So whatever system of like authority you're living under in your society is your job to pick that apart and make fun of it. So, I mean, that's what we would call like punching up. So if you're white people have historically had a lot of power and uh, a lot of money and a lot of influence over culture. And so if that's the system of oppression that you live under, then the authority figure, the person you're supposed to be picking apart is white people. So it's very much about power dynamic. But if you then start punching down, you're basically on the side of the oppressor. You're doing the opposite to what a comedian is supposed to do. You become a voice of propaganda for the state or for the religion or whatever. And then, you know, you're not really a comedian at all. You're just a mouthpiece. What about you, Tom? Do you think that this is a helpful frame to think about these things? I think so. I mean, this, this whole special is essentially premised on Chappelle trying to wrestle with this question of, of punching down. He's like, I don't, I don't understand what that means. Like, he, it's him trying to get his head around this idea. They say I was punching down on them. Punching down. What the fuck does that mean? Which is quite remarkable to me. It's like, really? You've never heard that before? And is it really that difficult to, to figure out, man? 
And and I, I would totally endorse and agree with what Cassie laid out there. I mean, you know, we should be able to make jokes about Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner is an extraordinarily wealthy person with horrible politics. Yeah, she Who sucks. does and says some <laughs> shitty things. She's a terrible person. By all means, make fun of her. <laughs> in, the, in the course of doing that, if the butt of the joke is her transness or transgender identity, that, that is demeaning. And I reckon that's... That yeah. does cross something of a line for sure. And when you make fun of her for that, you make fun of all of us for that. It's it's not the same as just making a joke about about her. I think it's a Chris Rock line or philosophy is you know you make jokes about what people do, not really what they what they are. Yeah. And I and I definitely don't think Chappelle's following that that advice in this special. But in terms of like you know making a joke about X, I, I think Cassie would agree with me that any comedian can make any joke about any topic. You know any topic in life can be approached in some way through comedy. I, I don't think that many, you know, many comedians would subscribe to the idea that any particular topic community issue is off limits. It is all about approach and about how you do that mm. and where those punchlines land. And if those punchlines reinforce pre-existing ideas and prejudices, then yeah, you're doing a pretty shitty job. I think that, you know, mostly he's talking about this subject because it's been brought into his life because he said something that I don't think he realized was going to cause such controversy and now like this is part of his world experience he has to deal with the trans community being angry at him and that's why he's talking about it you know but uh, I think like for me the most troubling thing about the special was and uh, you know I've heard all of these jokes I'm not offended by anything anymore but the most the troubling thing at the end of the special was when he said I'm done I'm not going to talk about this anymore it's over LBGTQ, LMNOPQIZ, it is over. I am not telling another joke about you until we are both sure that we are laughing together. I'm telling you, this is done. I'm done talking about it. And that really, really pissed me off because I don't get to walk away from this conversation. You know, he can say, I'm done and I don't want to talk this uh, about this anymore. And he can walk away and go back to his house and never have to think about it again. But we can't. It's like you you don't walk into somebody's lounge room and start a fire and then go, well, it's hot in here. I'm going home. You know, like when this becomes tedious and uncomfortable and boring for you, too fucking bad. You started this conversation and now we have to end it. So that really upset me. Yeah, and on that point, just to be clear, I mean, he's saying, I'm not going to talk about this until we're clear that we're all laughing together, which to me seemed to be some suggestion of or a nod towards some kind of recognition that he'd fucked up a bit or that this was an attempt at an apology or things had not got played out as he expected or what have you. So that was also this other frustrating point where it's, where it's it's almost as if Chappelle seems to be suggesting that he had arrived at some kind of epiphany or some kind of new understanding that we weren't all laughing together and that he had seriously upset people with these jokes and there was something wrong. Something hadn't gone quite right. And yet that, that particular bit appears to be of being glossed over in the conversation. And it's, and it, he spent the last, you know, 35 minutes before he said that doing the exact same thing that he'd been <laughs> doing the whole time. I'm not going to make any more jokes since we're all laughing together. Dude, you just did 35 minutes of jokes about us. And got 20 million bucks. <laughs> it's absurd. And it's hard. Like, I, I understand that there are moments when he does look uh, sympathetic to us. But then he'll say something like, I'm team turf. You cannot claim 
to respect trans people and not be punching down on them and treating them as your equals and seeing them as equals and then say things like I'm team turf. It doesn't add up. Can I ask Cassie if there was one joke that, that, that she did like, which I, I personally appreciated, which was... A nigga came up to me on the street the other day. He said, careful, Dave, they after you. I said, what? <laughs> one they or many they's. That's, that's a great that's joke. That's funny. That's a great joke. <laughs> it's a funny joke. And we can all enjoy. That's the infuriating thing is that he <laughs> is a good comedian and there's so much goodwill for him. And and it's just really sad to see somebody who everyone respects so much. And I respect him, you know. It's really sad to see him doing this. He could do better. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things I find so frustrating about this special. I think Chappelle is one of the funniest and sharpest comedians of the past couple of decades. I grew up on the Chappelle show. I still go back and watch skits from it. His film, Dave Chappelle's Block Party, is one of my favourite movies. It's extraordinary. And all of that stuff from that era is so aware. It's very politically and socially conscious. And so what bothers me the most is we know how clever he is, but the whole conceit of of the way he's operating in these last few specials is, oh, I'm just a guy who doesn't understand all these crazy new modern ideas around gender and sexuality, and when I try and just make jokes and figure it out, you all get mad and cancel me. I don't really buy that he's that oblivious or naive. What do you think, Cassie? Yeah, it's sort of hard to tell. There are sort of moments when he seems to have genuine empathy and then he like totally abandons it. It's, it reads very much like a confused cis man trying to understand something that he does not understand. But I think it would also be sort of dangerous to to think of that that way because there's moments in the special where, um, I mean, for example, when he's talking to a trans woman in a bar uh, he says, I make sure to call her by the correct pronouns because I don't want to put her in danger. I don't want to out her in front of all these other people. So it's like he's aware of what danger we're in. He's he's aware that like attitudes about trans people are not super great in some spaces. And he's aware that there's a threat of violence to us. So he must be aware of what he's doing when he's saying these things. And I, I don't think you can just write that off. I even says in the, in the special that, you know, it's jokes are about like alleviating tension when he's like in, in reference to Daphne, uh, when he's talking about how she would have liked his jokes and, you know, maybe she would have, and even I maybe would have, if I knew him, but I don't believe that he has alleviated tension here. I don't think he has performed the fundamental task that a comedian must perform, which is to take a complex subject and make it okay. He's failed at that. And now people are telling him that he's failed at that and he hates it. (laughs) After the break, we're going to take a look at how Dave Chappelle uses comedy and jokes about race as a way to deflect criticism. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. 
Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Tom, you said earlier that, you know, Chappelle in his specials isn't just making jokes. He's got an argument. And I think that's pretty clear. How do you think that changes the discussion around what it is and isn't okay to joke about, if in fact it does at all? Like some of the defences of Chappelle that I've seen is, well, you know, Chappelle's not running for office. He's not writing a political essay in the New York Times. You can pick apart his arguments and you can find factual inaccuracies, but he's a comedian telling jokes. Like, why are you wasting your time doing that? What, what's your kind of response to that? Yeah, I mean, to me, that's an infuriating cop-out. And, and look, there are bits in this special where he's making very dumb jokes that don't mean anything at all. And, and I think that you'll find that throughout his special and probably every comedian uh, across the board will have jokes. Like, that is just a dumb joke. It's funny to say certain words in a, in a certain order. These do not need to be taken seriously. But there are lots of moments throughout all the Netflix specials when Chappelle says something and it gets a round of applause. And he's he's not going for a joke at all there. He is doing a, a level of kind of preaching almost of, like, you know, trying to make a social commentary. Now, sometimes the things he's saying sound profound and they get a round of applause and you feel like, yeah, he's really saying something about the world. And then you think about it, you go, not at all. That's actually really dumb. The best example, I think, is from Six and Stones. When Chappelle says, you know, I criticized the Me Too movement. I I appreciated what you were saying, but I was criticizing the way you were going about it. And everyone got angry at me. And then Southern states passed the most restrictive abortion laws that this country has ever seen. And it gets a round of applause. And you think about it, you go, hang on, that doesn't make any sense. You think the Me Too movement inspired what Republican senators in the southern states in America to pass anti-abortion laws? You think they were going to do that anyway? So it's, it's shit like that that gets me so frustrated when, you know, we, we've, we feel like we're hearing profound thoughts from a guy who is certainly capable of it, really, you know, can be an extremely intelligent and very funny commentator. And then some bits just don't meet that standard at all. And keep in mind, this is a guy who released, you know, this very short special with absolutely no jokes reflecting on George Floyd's death as well during the pandemic, you know, last year after that horrible incident and the rising of the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, in, in that moment, I think he positions himself as someone who, who does have profound things to say as well and is, yes, a comedian who loves jokes, but is also a human being and thinks about big issues in a, in a serious way and wants to be taken seriously on many, many fronts. Yeah, he is very smart. And I think there's an element of me that finds... He's read it- the dictionary, Oz. He's looked up the dictionary definitions <laughs> of things. <laughs> I mean, that is the worst bit when he's like, is literally explaining the TERF acronym and then is explaining what feminism means. <laughs> but when I said that he's smart, I kind of mean in the way that he constructs his arguments because he's very knowing And he knows what to say that on the surface both sounds funny and smart and then he moves on to the next joke so you don't really have time to sit with why he just said is quite not just wrong but potentially like perpetuating completely wrong uh, a false understanding of the way the world works. And there's two examples of that. I think it's Sticks and Stones when he is kind of positing Black Lives Matter and the, the police violence black communities face with his conception of what the trans community faces. And I think it's important here when he talks about trans people, he very, very, very regularly goes back to one particular 
trans person, Caitlyn Jenner, and uses Caitlyn Jenner as an extremely wealthy, privileged, uh, you know, individual to suggest that that's the trans community and everyone's worried about them. But what about black people getting shot on the streets? You know, black people in New York wear high heels now because they're safer as trans people than they would be as black people. Uh The the problem with that is it completely (laughs) negates the existence of, erases the existence of black trans people or like non-Caitlyn Jenner trans people. And then similarly, in the most recent special, he has a line that gets a lot of applause and it's, you know, why was it easier, uh, you know, he he dead names Caitlyn Jenner for them to change their gender than for Cassius Clay to change his name to Muhammad Ali. And everyone claps and it's like, I mean, it's bad that Muhammad Ali went through that stuff, but also... I think if Caitlyn Jenner had tried to change their name or come out then, I don't think it would have been very easy. And I think neither of those two things are really that comparable. They have very little bearing on each other. I mean, you know, but to an extent, this is something that like Chappelle hasn't thought about is part of the reason why Caitlyn Jenner can change her name and be accepted is because of Cassius Clay. Muhammad Ali, I should say. You mean the kind of like the the constant fights for civil rights and, you know, fighting on behalf of oppressed communities to let these kinds of things happen? Yeah. Yeah. And identity and and being able to assert your identity. That's something that Muhammad Ali uh, was famous for and brought into the public eye, you know? It's a really great point. And a direct result of that is that now we are able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner could change her gender publicly, but... Women couldn't vote 100 years ago. So what about that? <laughs> what? Yeah, what about that? <laughs> and and again, endlessly frustrating in this special, if we're seriously going to have a conversation and a consideration of, of trans rights and, and tra- the trans experience, uh, you know, you, you again have to do some basic level research. So there's bits when Chappelle uses gender interchangeably with sex, right? And I, if, you, if we're not talking about that openly, if, we, if you cannot acknowledge the idea of a gender identity being different to biological sex that someone might be assigned at birth, then I, I don't really know where you are. He, he tries to assert that gender is a fact, which is a sentence that doesn't really mean anything either. Um, and, and while he's prepared to look up the dictionary definition of feminism or explain what turf is, sort of demonstrating he's prepared to do that level of research, there's a bunch of other things that he doesn't seem to have dug into at all. And this is one of my absolute bugbears. When I see a comedian on stage being like, how about this new thing? Isn't this fucking weird? What's going on there? And you go, well, you could have Googled that or read two articles and you'd probably actually get a better appreciation of what's going on. There is an argument to be made for, like, we, we should really not hold comedians to perfectly explaining every subject. That's not a comedian's job. There's an economy to jokes where you have to take some things as as granted and and just accept certain misrepresentations in in order to have any kind of short joke, you know, any analogy, any metaphor falls down eventually. And that's really not in the spirit of comedy to endlessly deconstruct that. Um, So I wouldn't attack him on his construction of a joke. I would just, I would, I want to know why is he doing this joke? Why is it his place to do this joke? One of the defences that Chappelle deploys, which to me falls under the same kind of category as, well, I've got a friend who's black, I'm allowed to make black jokes. He talks about this friend of his, Daphne, who is a trans woman who kind of stood alongside him when he was being criticised and that he kind of took her under her wing and helped her. He, he sort of makes himself, you know, I've said all these things, but I believe trans women are real and I support them. 
what do you both make of his use of of Daphne in that regard? And I said use deliberately because, again, I do think it's a deliberate construction. What do you think, Cassie? Every bigot's got a special friend. Every bigot's got a special um, exception, you know, and it, it doesn't make them any less of a of a bigot. And I like I find myself putting myself in Daphne's shoes and wondering why she would do this. And I feel like I understand that, you know, Dave Chappelle's a big celebrity who paid her attention and told her that she could do comedy. And, you know, so I, I get why she would have an affection for him. And I also understand that when comedians talk to each other, we rip the shit out of each other. And that's just our culture. That's what we are like. And, and the more, <laughs> often the more sort of personal and hurtful, the funnier it is. And I understand that between two very close friends that you could go up to Daphne and, and, and say, oh, you're an excellent father and you're such a man and all this stuff. And it would be funny between them because they're friends and they know that they love each other. But you can't just take that story and tell it on a stage and expect everyone to understand that because A, you know, most people aren't comedians and, and B, they're not trans and they're certainly not trans comedians. There are plenty of oppressed peoples who sided with their own oppressors. Every minority has them, you know, these, these people who sold out their own identity in, in return for a little bit of acceptance from, from the oppressor. And I can't even be angry about that because I, I understand that, but it's not a great example to use to help your argument against the literal rest of the trans community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Coming up, is censoring Dave Chappelle really the answer? With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. The consequences of, of Chappelle's comments and and this special in particular, have now spread pretty far beyond him. That's the biggest, I think, corporate scandal Netflix has had to deal with in, in a very, very, very long time. I think the seeds of this were sown when, when Sticks and Stones was released. There was agitation from internal Netflix staff working groups uh, made up of LGBTQ staff members. And then when this special was released, Staff said that this was a kind of a bridge too far. That you know we weren't we we thought we were engaging with you in good faith, Netflix, and here you are dropping something that we think is so harmful. We've seen a walkout from from some staff. There's been some calls for the special to be taken down, but there's been more conversation around what are the guidelines by which Netflix should abide by when it's deciding what kind of platform it puts to air. I'm really curious about your perspectives on this because I think it is one thing to have a discussion about what comedy should and shouldn't do and what is good comedy, what is bad comedy, and how do you reflect power dynamics. 
and it's obviously related to the next conversation, but it's it's a separate one around do you remove something like this? Do you not commission something like this? Who gets to decide what Chappelle or any other comedian says on their specials? What do you think, Cassie, about that? Trans people. Trans people do. We get to decide. And we're saying we don't like it. And nobody fucking listens to us. It's it's so infuriating. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a, because you know, they've done it now. It's a tricky situation where they've done it. And now, you know, he's a very popular comedian with a very popular special. And do we take it down? And do we cave to this group or that group? But like Netflix has got heaps of transphobic stuff on it. Or they still have the episode of the IT crowd where Douglas Renham uh, has a fist fight with a trans woman and she beats him because she's a man, uh, which started Graham Linehan's career as a transphobe. There's heaps of media that's that's got transphobic content. Tina Fey was using tranny as a punchline in 30 Rock, like over and over and over. Um, same with Sex and the City. Like we should sort of know better by now. Netflix does also do a lot of pro-trans stuff, like I mentioned uh, Disclosure earlier, which is just such a great and amazing documentary, and it's really, really cool that that's there. So I, I don't know. I mean, is it a matter of have we just turned into the Wild West now? Are we just seeking a balance between transphobic voices and trans voices? Uh, you know, at some point you've you've got to, I think, pick a side. And a good start would be to give me a special. <laughs> Hang on. Real wait a good minute. start if you're watching. <laughs> I, yes, look, I am, yes, this is sticky. I, it, I'm, my, my first position is um, let's not rely on massive tech companies to be the arbiters of moral goodness in the world. And, yes, there, there are lots of good things on, on Netflix, as we said, but investing in uh, Netflix or certainly, you know, a giant, evil corporation like Amazon Prime or what have you to be bastions for, for goodness and, and progress in the world, uh, to me, feels like a fool's errand. Mm. Um, I think taking down the, the special would be a culture war uh, atomic bomb <laughs> that, that would be massive and would probably backfire once again. Uh, to me, the, the protests, the walkouts, as far as I can tell, I, I, I can't, I'm not sure whether the demands are to remove it from the, the platform, but the, there seems to be a lot of really tangible material demands that seem perfectly reasonable, which is investing in more content created by people from the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, this backlash to me is really about the future and making people think again and examine and critique the standards that we set for ourselves and and where comedy should go. And, you know, that's what social movements have always done, really, yeah. I think, getting really worked up about how something's shit and then you don't see the, the payoffs and the reward until quite a few, year, few years down the track. I think that's a really good point, Tom. And, I mean, there's a few good points there. Like Netflix, the public statements from Netflix, where they're trying to pretend like they are engaging in this high-level debate about values and principles seems like, bullshit to me. Like Netflix is trying to be everything to everyone. It's an enormous, enormous platform. It, you know, it, it sub micro targets its content, you know, like it will create, I think you're, this is what you're saying, Cassie. I actually think that is part of the strategy. It's like, we've got disclosure for the, for the quote unquote woke audience. And then we want to do stuff like this because Netflix is not going to say we're going to alienate Republicans. That's not the way that they work. They are trying to make as much content for as many different communities as possible. And no, we shouldn't 
expect anything different from them, nor should we put the board of Netflix in charge of deciding what should and shouldn't be, you know, created. Yeah. But what's kind of happening here is something a little bit more organic. It's the trans community outside of Netflix, as Cassie put it, saying this is bad. And then it's staff and workers inside the organization trying to exert some of their power. I mean, everyone who works at a big company, whether that's media or anything else, knows that, you know, you're a kind of a cog in the machine. Your bosses and all sorts of people do lots of things you don't agree with. And you try really hard. You organize internally. This is day one, you know, labor stuff. And you try and shift the balance of power. And I think that is a really interesting conversation. I think if those staff with the community outside them do organize and are able to get Netflix to, you know, create, whether it's guidelines or consultation processes or funding pools, that's like not a bad result. Really? What, what do you think, Cassie? Yeah, um, we're, we're sort of letting them off the hook a little bit because it, it is a matter of, well, name a good corporation. There, are, there just aren't any. And so if you want to achieve anything, um, you, you're going to have to like compromise with that a little bit. But and Netflix is going to have to make some kind of statement one way or, or the other because it, it is getting to that point. And I hope that, uh, like you say, we, we start to get more trends content uh doesn't necessarily have to be mine but it would help <laughs> if it was but it would be great to, to see more trans creators on netflix and and if that is something that comes out of this controversy then i call that a win what do you think tom any any summing up thoughts it's it's hard because yes clearly um he's profiting at a, an incredible way from from this stuff i i do have a bias towards yeah, free speech and i also very strongly feel and this is very you know not as no acknowledged as often is that the responses, the 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 pushback, the protest—that that's all free speech as well. Um, and I think, yes, I think in um, Roxanne Gay's piece for the New York Times, she sort of dealt with all the objections right at the top. Yes, comedians should be able to joke about anything. Free speech is key. Blah 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 blah. But criticism, you know, if if comedy matters as much as you know we 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 think it does, and we believe in it, and it can be used for an incredible force for good, and you can say really important, great things through comedy, as Dave Chappelle has done in the past, I believe, particularly on the issues of race and police brutality, then you know when you say fucked up things for your comedy and you're using a marginalised group as your punchline, don't be surprised when, when people push back against that and call you out on it. That's that's perfectly reasonable and, and a good thing. Yeah, and it's important to note because I think people who defend the Chappelle's or, or that kind of position, the pro-Chappelle position, for lack of a better term here, it's like oh, everyone's trying to come and cancel Dave Chappelle. I mean, on... Firstly, like, I don't think it is possible to cancel Dave Chappelle. You know, when Chappelle talks about DaBaby and uh, Kevin Hart being cancelled, again, none of those people are cancelled. And no one, it seems to really be trying to cancel Dave Chappelle. Like, no one is trying to say that this man should never make comedy again or he should be obliterated as a cultural force. It's kind of, I think, what I've enjoyed about this conversation so much is that it's about, well, what are the impacts of this? How do we how do we understand them? What are a set of values that we can agree on uh, a sort of a framework for how comedy should operate in, in a sort of our ideal world and what happens when things go wrong and what are the obligations of of big corporations. I'm just getting really chuffed that we managed to talk about all these things. We did a lot Yay. in like a pretty reasonable time <laughs> frame. Thanks, um, thanks so much, Cassie and Tom, for your really valuable, really valuable insights and, and contributions. No, on no this. worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Oz. The Culture is a weekly show from Schwartz Media. It's produced by Bez Zoder and Atticus Basto. 
Our editor-in-chief is Eric Jensen, and our theme music is by Hermitude. I'm Osman Faruqi. See you next week. <laughs>